That is my good friend, Dr. John Piper. Some of you realize that that is the second time you have seen that. That is not because I'm getting early amnesia. <laughs> it is deliberate and intentional. What was the central message of that video? What was it? Don't waste your life. God is not impressed with your boat or your career or your shells or your swing or the number of houses you own. That's rubbish. He is not impressed. The American dream tells you that lie, which has become, I've noticed, the Kiwi dream. And I can say that because I'm both a US citizen and an American citizen. And we are imbibing and drinking the same Kool-Aid that the Americans have done. And that is a deep concern because it is antithetical to the purposes of the kingdom of God. Today I'm going to talk about a very countercultural topic. Sacrificing on purpose. No challenge, no growth. You're going to get plenty of challenge today from God's word. What is the difference between a hero and a celebrity? It's the difference between Madonna and Mother Teresa. It's the difference between Billy Graham and Billy Idol. One's just famous the other has made sacrifices for other people. One's a hero, one's a celebrity. Now, there are lots of people who will make sacrifices in this life. Lots of them. For themselves. For their boat. Or their batch. They sacrifice for personal gain, willingly for their own goals. Some people will sacrifice enormous amounts to build a successful, quote, business. And I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm all for profitable businesses. They will sacrifice to become maybe a pro golfer or a pro athlete. It takes a lot to make it these days. They will sacrifice a lot to be the number one musician or the number one person in your field of expertise. That takes sacrifice. So lots of people make sacrifices, but they basically do it for their own good, their own goals, for their own reasons. What makes a hero? Back to the question. A hero sacrifices for other people and for their benefit. That's the difference between a celebrity and a hero. Because deep inside each one of us, there's this God-given deep desire, which sometimes you catch a glimpse of, to make a difference in other people's lives. To make a contribution to leave this world a better place than you found it. Now, many people don't realize that God wired them to this way on purpose. And that is, you are wired, actually, by the designer to give your life away. That's the way you are designed. 
not to be a selfish clod that is not in the designer's plan. Many people don't realize that as they do that, God wired them in such a way that fulfillment is attached to going the way the designer made them. God wired you to give your life away, and the Bible has a word for that, which we started to talk about today. That word is ministry. That is ministry. But he also, I've noticed, gives you and I a choice. He never forces you to make an impact with your life. He'll send you messages that will jar you. Like, don't waste your life on stuff. Never give your first-class allegiance to second-class causes. You may want to write that down somewhere to remind you. Never give my allegiance, first-class allegiance, to second-class causes. He doesn't force you to use your life to help other people, to encourage people, to use your talents to bless others. Do you know why? It's, oh, actually, it's absolutely, do you know this? It's absolutely possible to live a self-centered life. And my concern is, like many Americans and many Australians, New Zealanders are following suit. They live for themselves. They live for their interests. Here's one close to home. Their family. Their needs. Their own possessions. And they don't really think about other people. The reason why we're drilling on that is God said, after loving me, the greatest commandment is you need to love others. And it needs to show up in your life and mine. And if, if you just live your life and don't think about other people, you'll miss out on the life that God meant for you to live. When you give yourself completely to God and His purposes, you are living His will on earth. And that is what God made you to be. But it's a choice. Notice the first verse on your outline and on the screen. Give yourself, what's the next word? How about, what was that word? Completely. Think about that word for a minute. Completely is not partially. Completely is not half-heartedly. The word of God, sharper than a two-edged sword, says give yourselves completely to God. Every part of you. You want to be tools in the hands of God used for whose purposes? Your own purposes? Who's? His. God's purposes. Circle to be used for His God's purposes. Now, three things that we notice from that verse. God wants to work through you for his purposes. Two, you can be instruments in the hands of God to make a difference in this world. You can be a tool in the hands of God to bless this world. But three, I want to be very realistic about this. This will require sacrifice. It will require sacrifice to be used by God and to fulfill his purposes. Let me say it another way, real clear. There will be some things you have to give up. Awful quiet in here right now. Let me say it another way. You cannot do it all. That's a lie. 
instituted by the enemy to dilute your effects and focus. You cannot have it all. Most people say this, sure, I want to serve God, plus I want to achieve all the goals and all the dreams and all the ambitions I have in life. That's how it comes out. A truth laced with a lie. But can I suggest to you, you and I only have a certain amount of time, a lot of them in this world. Something has got to give. Something has got to be sacrificed for God's purposes to be numero uno. I don't know about you, but I would feel very uncomfortable and do feel uncomfortable when God challenges me on my priorities. I never in my head would ever dream I'd say, oh God, I want you to be third. That would be unconscionable. I know that in my head, but then I've got to align my life to what I know is right. Are you willing to have God's purposes prioritized in your life? First question. Because if you don't get past point one, you'll never get further down the line. Are you willing to prioritize God's purposes above your own personal ambitions? Ow. Above your own goals, above your own plans for your life. How about above your family? I remember somebody said that. He said, even if you love your family more than me. Do you remember that verse? How about your career? Personal motivations, your desires. Are you willing to set those aside instead of living just for those things? Because if I'm going to live for God's purpose on this earth, I have to prioritize to live the life that God intended me to have. You say, Ian, that is a lot to ask. You're right. It's a lot to ask. And God asks it of you. If you want to be used by him. C.S. Lewis got this really right. He was, used to be an atheist. Moved along. He said this, the only thing that Christianity cannot be is moderately important. So the question has to be asked, why should I sacrifice for God's purpose? Why would I sacrifice my own plans, my own dreams, my own desires for goals? Three straightforward answers. Number one, because God did it for you. The ultimate example of sacrifice is when God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, onto earth and he went through a torturous trial, died a naked death on the cross as a criminal for you. Now let me be clear, nobody will ever sacrifice that much for you, ever. More than Jesus Christ has already done. Now last week, Grant reminded you of Jesus' sacrifice when you took communion together. The Lord's Supper. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
We haven't got time to plumb the depths of that today, but that is an enormous sacrifice. Genuine love is always sacrificial. You may want to write that's a short sentence, but it's potent. Genuine love is always sacrificial. You cannot love somebody without sacrificing. You cannot love God without sacrificing. It may be a sacrifice of time. It may be a sacrifice of energy. It may be a sacrifice of money. But love always requires sacrifice. And by the way, that is a success, uh, the secret of a successful marriage. If both partners are continually intentionally making large and small sacrifices for each other, then you want a winner. In that type of marriage, there's never a marriage problem that can't be overcome. In that type of marriage, there's never a power struggle. Never. In that type of marriage, when you're trying to undo each other, sacrificing for each other. Now, as I've said many times before, you can give without loving. Here, take that. I gave it to you. That's giving, no love. But you cannot love without giving. The essence, and that's the essence of God's love. God so loved the world that he gave. And God's already done it for you. Hebrews 9.26 says this. Christ came to take away all sin by what? Sacrificing himself. There's the love being demonstrated. And because of that, we, because we want to become like Christ, we need to learn to sacrifice, which is what we've been talking about today. Ministering is sacrificing our own plans and prioritizing God's purposes. Ephesians 5.2, live a life. This is instructions to you and I. Live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and, what does it say? Gave himself up for us. So live the way Christ did. How did he do it? He gave up his life for us as a fragrant offering. It was beautiful in the eyes of God. So if you want to learn to be like Jesus Christ, you're going to have to learn to sacrifice. If you have no sacrifices in your life right now, there is no love in your life. An unsacrificial life is an unlovely life because sacrifice is the essence of love. Love is giving, not getting. So we learn to sacrifice for God's purpose. Why? Number one, because he first loved us. He did it for us. Two, because it was what I was made to do. You were made to live for God's purposes, not for your own. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it's real easy sometimes when we get caught up with this world to forget that you're here to serve God's plan. And he has a plan for your life before you're even born. But we need to constantly recalibrate our heads and our hearts with God's word. Notice this next verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It is God himself who has made us what we are and has given us new lives from Christ, Jesus. And long ago, he planned that we should spend these lives, how? In helping others. 
That's how he said it, in helping others. That's God's plan. Somebody say, I'm not sure what God's will is. Right there, black and white, indisputable. That's his plan for your life and my life. Now notice, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and that plan involves helping others, which is ministry. He put you here to benefit others, not to benefit just yourself. Now, I don't know about you. You men, and maybe some of you women can identify this. Have you ever taken something around the home that was meant for one purpose and used it for something else? For example, a knife, and you've tried to unscrew something with it, right? Yeah. Anybody ever try to do that? Yeah. What do you end up doing? You munter the knife, right? And the blooming screw still doesn't come out. Like I was chopping some veggies the other day, and I look at the end of my knife, and it's going to go. Oh, some Wallace in my house has tried to lever something with this knife, and it's ended up wrecking the thing. Interesting point. Your knife really wasn't made to undo screws. <laughs> it wasn't made for that purpose, so it doesn't work that well. And then we all get frustrated, right? And that's also true in your life. When you try to live a life for a purpose that you weren't created for, there's this low-grade, sometimes high-pitched frustration that you sense. And disappointment comes into your life and a sense of meaningless and unfulfillment. But God wants you to become like him. God is a giver and he's generous and he wants you to learn to be generous. He rewards unselfishness. Matthew 10, 39. Jesus said, those who try, oh, and we try, to hold on to their lives will give up true life. But those, but those who give up their lives for me and God's plan, that's what he's saying, will hold on to true life. Now, as a pastor, I meet a lot of people who are trying to find themselves, looking for all kinds of things to give themselves meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment. Some people are looking to hobbies, some looking to collecting houses, one after the other after the other, or businesses, collecting businesses, or satisfaction or fulfillment. And people look to all sorts of things that are going to give lasting significance, but they don't. True life does not come from self-gratification. It comes from serving others. It comes from giving your life away. Some would call it downward mobility. See, the American dream is you go upwards. What did Jesus do? He stepped down and became a servant. Completely antithetical to the world's culture. The optimal place to be, friends, is directly in the center of God's will for your life. Being who God made you to be. So why do I sacrifice for God's purposes? Number one, because he's already done it for me. And number two, it's because I was what I was made to do by my creator. Number three, because God will reward me. Now let me ask you a very personal question. Do you ever feel disappointed and discouraged and unappreciated for doing the right thing? Maybe it's you mums at home. 
Nobody even notices all the stuff I do. Maybe it's that. Or maybe you've been serving in some area. Or maybe it's at work. You know, you were there really working hard. Everybody else is sort of skiving off, just putting in the clock, you know, long coffee breaks, long lunch hours, and seem to be skiving. And nobody seems to realize that you're doing a disproportionate amount of the load. Or do you ever feel unappreciated for helping others and they don't thank you? Or sometimes they don't even notice. Friends, God notices and he remembers. And he's going to reward those sacrifices in life that you never get thanked for. Here's a verse to encourage you. Hebrews 6.10 God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. Hang on. What's going on here? He will not forget the love that you have shown him as you have helped people and continue to help people. Helping people involves sacrifice. So when you do that, God will not forget that. He says when you sacrifice to help other people, that's showing love to God. And when you help others, that's called ministry. When you minister to others and serve others, God says that is expressing love to me. That's how you do that. How do I love God? By serving others. Many of you here are volunteers at New Hope in different ministries, and this church would not be even here today without you. So many of you have sacrificed and served in the children's area. You said, I'll be in All Stars an hour early every Sunday, or in the Sparkles. I'll come an hour before, instead of just coming, sitting, listening, and going. You've decided to do something different than that. You've decided to show your love. Or if you're on setup and sound or CG or the video teams, you're here early, setting the place up. And then you pack up before you go home. Or you're an usher or a greeter or a youth leader or a musician or a small group leader or a hospitality team. Or you come to the church office for some spare hours and help there. And that's amazing. Because again, we wouldn't be here without you. The problem is, we need more of you involved in ministry to do what we need to do. Now, are you going to have any rewards in heaven? Or is God just going to say to you, well, I see that you accepted me, but actually, and this may shock you, some of you lived a pretty selfish life. You were too busy with your own agenda, which you prioritized over my agenda. Too busy to make time for ministry. You were too busy to help somebody else. And if that's you, with as much love as I can muster, can I say, you're too busy. Remember, God's going to reward me. Mark 10. Jesus said, let me assure you that no one has ever given up anything. Now, that's the first thing that comes out of his mouth. Homes. Some people have given up homes. Brothers, sisters, left them. Mother, father, children, or property for love of me. One, and to tell others the good news. See the priority here? See the urgency in Jesus? He's saying this is the most important thing and we've sucked the Kool-Aid too long. We're missing it. 
Let me assure you, though, that no one has given up homes. Anybody given up a home lately? For Jesus? Brothers, sisters, mothers, children, all property for. Now, no, it's not just for yourself to trade in a new one and upgrade. Nothing to do with that. Why? For the love of me and to tell others the good news. That will last. Nothing else will. So the great, uh, oh, that's right. For the love of me and the good news, who won't be given back a hundred times. This is the reward. A hundred times over. Wow. That's 10,000% interest. Is it? It's a lot. You can't beat it down here. And then, it, then, then he uses a, a conjunction here. The word, oh, and he throws this in. And on top of that, you shall have eternal life. Whoa. Key verse. But there is clear sacrifice in that verse. But Jesus says, don't worry. The greatest example of along the sacrifice is the cross. Jesus' sacrifice for you. The Old Testament is filled with stories of sacrifice. Some seem a bit unusual. I give you that. But today, I just because I've had a few questions around this lately, I want to wrap this up for you and tie this in. Hebrews 10 is going to summarize it for you. Sacrifice. The old system of Jewish laws gave only a dim foretaste of the good things that Christ would do for us. The sacrifices under the old system were repeated again and again and again, year after year. But even so, they could never save those who lived under their rules. If they could have, one offering would have been good enough. Excuse me, I inserted the word good there. The worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and their feeling of guilt would be gone. But just the opposite happened. Those yearly sacrifices reminded them of their disobedience and their guilt instead of relieving their minds. That is why Christ said, See, I have come to lay down my life. He cancels the first system, cancels it, null and void, in favor of a far better one. Under this new plan, we have been forgiven, made clean by Christ dying for us once and for all. Man, aren't you grateful for the new plan? Here's the good news in that sacrifice. Irrespective of what you've done and how bad a sinner you may think you have been, Irrespective of how much guilt you carry, how many regrets you have, God says anybody can get on this new plan of forgiveness. And it moves on there. In Romans 8, we aren't saved from sin's grasp by knowing the commandments. Really? Of God. Because, and he tells you why. There's knowing and doing. Because we can't and don't keep them. Anybody want to give a testimony of that? Yeah. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except ours are sinful, and destroyed sin's control over us by giving himself, as that word again, as a sacrifice for our sins. Now, some of you today, my question to you is, have you accepted that sacrifice? I mean, everybody knows Jesus Christ died in the sin. Go look it up in the Encyclopedia Britannica. It's in history. 
But many people don't realize he did it for you. He did it for you. And when you break the law, somebody's going to pay the penalty for it. Because the wages sin is death. But Jesus said, I'll die for you. That's how much God loves you. My question again is, have you accepted that gift? Or have you thumbed your nose at God and said, well, that's nice. You sent your son to die for me, but I still want to do my own thing. I still want to pursue my own plans. I want to collect my own shells. I still want to have my own life. Can I encourage you today to accept that gift? I just want to quickly pray here. Would you bow your heads for me a moment? Father, today we come to you amazed that you could love us when we didn't even know you. You knew us before we were even born, thousands of years ago. And you knew we would be born and still living in 2016. You knew all the stupid things we would do, all the mistakes, all the sins, all the people we'd hurt, and all the things that we'd do wrong, the lies, the different things in our lives, and you still love us. That's just mind-blowing, actually. Today, we want to accept your gift. And if you've never done that before, say, Jesus Christ, I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for dying for me on that cross. Now, I don't understand that all, but as much as I know how I want to accept that gift of forgiveness, I want to live my way that you want me to live it. I want to follow your plan for my life, not my plan. And I know I'll be more fulfilled by doing things your way than frustrated and tired of feeling the way I have done things in the past. I want to follow you from here on out. Amen. We've just looked at the sacrifice. Now, quickly as we wrap up, what should my response be to what Jesus Christ did for me? How should I respond to the fact that he gave his life for me when I didn't even know him? The Bible says when I didn't even care. So, again, this is my response. This is a practical application for you and me. Romans 12.1. So, brothers and sisters, since God has shown his incredible mercy, his great mercy, do this. Offer your lives. There it is. Circle it. Offer your lives as a living sacrifice. Just give back to him what he's already given to you in the first place. You offer yourself back to him. The Living Bible says this. When you think of what he's done for you, is that too much to ask? <laughs> Very clear, isn't it? Nobody will ever love you more or sacrifice for you more than Jesus Christ did. Giving up his throne in heaven. The com- think about the comforts of that. And his glory coming to earth, becoming a human being, living along, uh, among people, doing what he did, suffering and dying on a cross for you. Now, C.T. Studd who was the highest paid British athlete cricketer, the captain of the English team that first got involved in the Ashes. He left, when he left it all at the peak of his career. The very peak, the highest paid British athlete, C.T. Studd, cricketer of his day. And this was his attitude. He gave it all up for him to become a missionary. And this is what he said. He said, if Jesus Christ is God and he died for me, then no sacrifice I can make for him could be too great. He got it. He got it. 
He also said, one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Everything else will be burnt up. Nothing. He also got, went on to found WEC, World Evangelization for Christ, one of our partners. Focus on the unchurched. Philippians 2.17 says, It is your faith that makes you offer your life as a living sacrifice to God. Powerful verse. It takes faith to do that. And anything that costs nothing is worth nothing. Tough question. Strap your safety belt on right now. You ready? What is your faith costing you? History is replete of examples of people who say, God, I will sacrifice my desire, my dream, my plan, and what I think will make me happy, me and my family, in order to fulfill your purposes. In this world, in my church, and in, in, the, in, in the world that you've given us. And when they did that, they received back more than they could ever have imagined in terms of significance and happiness because you cannot outgive God. God says you find your life by giving it away, never by clutching to it in a scarcity mentality. Because life, friends, is composed of trade-offs. You cannot do everything. So you have to decide, what am I going to do with my life, with the remaining months or years that you have left? What contribution do you really want to make with your life? Whether you've got 50 years left or just a few. Because can I suggest to you the greatest use of your life is to invest it in something that will outlast it. And again, famous quote of Jim Elliot. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. That man died murdered as a missionary. He'd lost his fear of death. Remembering the sacrifice Jesus has made for us, we say, Lord, I want to sacrifice myself for your purposes. And that means, yes, I'll do the necessary things in life to put bread on the table and pay the bills. But from now on, my primary energy, my overriding purpose is going to be for your purposes in my life, in my church, and your purposes in the world. And one day, when we get to heaven, we won't be there two nanoseconds and we'll say, what was all that sacrifice about? That's nothing. Nothing. That's all wrapped up in the word being holy. Holy means set apart. God wants you to be holy, set apart for his purposes, not run on the program of this world. Now, the whole idea of sacrifice is so foreign in our culture because everything in our culture says this. Desmond, live for yourself, mate. You've got to do what's best for me and the Fania. I've got to look out for number one. It's me first. Oh, it's disguised a little bit more subtly. And that is the reason why people are so bored and frustrated. And it is not the true life that Jesus planned for you. 
We have to learn to be sacrificial. We have to learn a whole new way of thinking. Wrapping this up, Matthew 10, 9, I want to circle back. Jesus said, those who try to hold on to their lives will give up true life. The life I meant for you, he's saying. But those who do give up their lives for me, for my plan, will hold on to true life. So, quick couple of bullet points. How can I live a sacrificial life? There are many ways, but one of them is to worship God continually. Worship God continually. Now, notice the order. Worship God, serve Him only. Never get those the wrong way around. Never, ever get those the wrong way around. Worship God, number one. Two, serve Him only. You swap those around, you won't last. Relationship comes before task. Both are important, but get it the right order. And the Bible says here, true praise is a worthy sacrifice. The Bible says, um, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I will offer up a sacrifice of praise. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Feeling weary? Praise the Lord. Second, helping others in ministry. The Bible says Jesus gave his life for us, so we should give our lives for our brothers and sisters. Very practical this morning. Now, many of you can quote me John 3.16, which says, Okay, question, what does 1 John 3.16 say? Oh, oh. Yes, that's very interesting. We all know John 3.16, but do we know 1 John 3.16? We ought to give our lives for each other. Ooh, we don't like to remember that one, do we? We would like to remember the getting, not the giving. And my job as a pastor is to give you the whole counsel of the Word of God. Your church needs you now more than ever before. It's time to give something back and be involved in sacrificing and serving. Thirdly, giving sacrificially. Give your offering to show thanks to God and give what you promised. The human heart's an amazing thing. We have the desire sometimes, but we don't follow through. You say, well, you know, if we start to give our full tithe, we'd have to sacrifice to do the point. That's the point. David said it this way, I will not offer to the Lord something which costs me nothing. Fair point. And then uh, lastly, share the good news with others. With Jesus' help, the Bible says, continually offer sacrifice to pray, uh, of praise by telling others the glory of his name. Now, folks, I want to roll your calendars forward. What's coming up next? Big event. Easter. Easter. And more people are open to coming to church at Easter than any other time of year. Please do not come to our service and bring nobody. Because that would you be just thinking about, I've got three or four people I'm inviting. Now, I may not come, but at least I'm going to ask and invite. This is a way we can show sharing the good news with others. Easter is for the person who needs to hear what Jesus did for them so that they can hear about his forgiveness and hear about a way that he has made open for them to spend eternity with him, with him in heaven. 
And you can have the privilege of inviting somebody to hear the good news. So plan. Question. Do you think of anybody right now that you can invite for Easter? Maybe it's a boss or a friend or a neighbor or somebody who needs to hear the good news. That is a sacrifice well-pleasing to God. Very practical. And I said, one day we'll get to heaven. I'll say, I gave my life to being all that God wanted me to be and making our church family all that God wanted it to be. I played my part. But you know what? There was no sacrifice at all. It's my pleasure. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment today, some of you. Some of you greater than many others, commitments you've ever made next to inviting Jesus Christ into your life. Of course, that's the greatest commitment. And if you've never done so, I would encourage you to say, Jesus Christ, make yourself real to me. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to live the way you want me to live and the way I want to live. I accept you as my Savior. I want to have a relationship with you come into my life. Now, if you've already done that, would you say, God, I give you all that I am. I owe it to you. However great or little it is, it all belongs to you. And I want to give you the experiences of my past, the good and the bad. I want to give you the schedule of my present. I want to allow you to make changes as your spirit directs me. I want to give you the potential of my tomorrow. And I certainly want to offer myself completely to you to be used for your purposes that you created me for. Help me to engage my talents and my gifts for the advancement of your kingdom. Father, as I think about these people here, I'm so aware of the potential within your church. When I think of the untapped wealth of experience sitting here right now, and knowing that if it was properly committed to you and mobilized, that there will be an impact for eternity that will cause all of heaven to rejoice. Would you help us to commit all that we have to you and to realize that we can trust you. You're building character and backbone and you have a grand purpose and we want to be in on it. Use our gifts, abilities, and experience you've given us for the good of others, for the glory of your kingdom and your church and for the growth of ourselves in the matchless name of the powerful Savior Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. God bless.